0: Welcome back, revolutionaries. Okay, now we're into the meat of it, right? We've talked about why you want to do it. We've identified your smart goal. And here you are, coming back for more. Let's just, like, seriously, can we get it up for you? Can we get it up? Can we? (laughs) That's for you, baby. Not for doing it, but for committing to do it. Because that's the hard part, right? The commitment is almost harder than the execution. So yay. Awesome. Love you. Love your moxie. Love your bravery. I hope you're telling some people that you're doing this. Game on. So now in this episode, we're going to set your goal in the context of your life right? Like I say to all of my career coaching clients, your career is just one part of you. Where does the rest of your life look like? So this goal is one of many, many goals you're going to achieve in your life. Let's look at the rest of your life too and see how it fits in. So now that you've set that SMART goal, you've started visualizing what your future life will be like as you move toward the goal, as you begin taking actions towards the goal, let's look at today. In this episode, we're going to delve deeper into all the areas of your life. Like, how ambitious is that, right? We're going to delve deeper into all the areas of your life with a tool called the whole life model. This is something I learned about when I was in coaching school, and I've really honed it to make this particular whole life model something that works for my clients, and you are one of my clients. So we're going to look at 10 key areas of your life. And by doing this, you will have a more in-depth, personalized context to examine The assets you have, including some you might not realize. Yeah, hidden gold, baby, all over the place. Let's unearth it. This is the time also to pressure test the foundation of your life. My God, that's ambitious. Before building an extension on your house, you want to make sure that your house can handle the extra weight. In the whole life model, you're going to push on things that hold you together, right? That support you to be you. If your goal is to have a baby and your marriage isn't strong, let's work on that. If you're working toward a promotion at your healthcare company and you can't stop thinking about your dream to become a minister, well, let's talk about that. By the way, those are both real client examples. At this point it is not unusual to experience a little bit of hesitation, right? <laughs> Again, I put you in the deep end of the pool. So you might be asking yourself, are you sure you want to do this? Or you've listed your actions in the last chapter, but you didn't really get them done, right? Only you and your prep sheet know what you've gotten done, right? Or hopefully you're using the community and sharing it, right? Sharing that helps with accountability. So do that. If you didn't do it last time, do it moving forward. So if you're feeling some nervousness or anxiety, but you're, like, you're still showing up, right? Like, uh, I don't know if I want to go in the pool, but I put on my bathing suit. I feel you. Oh, I so feel you if you're in that moment. So let's flip the question on its head, right? Time travel with me five years into your future. Here's a reflection stop point. So it's your sliding doors moment. What does your life look like in five years if you pursue and achieve this goal? Okay, good. So now let's do it the other way. What does your life look like if you don't pursue or achieve this goal?
1: What does not doing this thing you've always wanted to do look like? I recently had a client who wanted to quit her job, but she just wasn't ready yet,
0: right? So she another six months, another six months, another six months. And finally I said, well, we can do this, you know, for 18 months. She goes, oh, God, that's too far. So then the question became, well, you know you're going to do this. When? <laughs> right? So 18 months seemed way too long for her, but six months wasn't enough time. Okay, so now we have our window. Between six and 18 months is the time in which she'll quit her job. So, look at your life.
1: You do the goal, you don't do the goal. How has pursuing the goal changed your life? Okay, we got started, but I got to back it up. Did you do your prep sheet? Did you do your prep sheet? If you didn't do your prep
0: sheet, I'm going to find out. I'm going to come to your house. No, I'm just kidding. If you didn't do your prep sheet, do your prep sheet, right? This is the time to do your prep sheet. The prep sheet has to be done before we do this, because if you can't chart your progress, then how do we know how this is all moving forward? Then you're just listening. Listen, I am not a motivational speaker. I'm not a pump you up kind of like rah, rah, and then nothing happens. People hire me to get it done. You spent your money. You invested your money and your time in this course. So do your prep sheet. Do your prep sheet. Were there items on your to-do list that you didn't get done? Why didn't you do them? I'm not scolding you, though I sound like an angry mom because sometimes I am, but I'm not. It's a real question. Did you get stuck? Did you feel like it wasn't relevant? Why didn't you do it? You can put it on for this week, but you get to do it once, right? You can't keep kicking the rock down the street. So if you put it on, you're going to have to do it this time. But get underneath it. Figure out why you didn't do it. Is there something else you wanted to do instead? Similarly, what were you able to get done? Why? What is valuable to you when you think about the fact that you got things done? Hey, listen, you're just a couple weeks into this podcast course and you're getting stuff done. Awesome. Getting your money's worth. Good. Getting something out of the time you're putting into this. You're growing, you're learning, you're developing, which, spoiler alert, is actually part of the whole life model. So, this chapter is where you figure it out. Like you did your goal setting in the last chapter, but this chapter is about confirming that the goal you set is the right goal. So now let's take the next step. Let's figure it out. By the end of this episode, you will have a solid commitment to your goal. The goal setting and the confirmation of the goal setting takes a while, right? It's like Three of our 10 podcasts is just goal setting. Hell yeah, it is. Because if we have the wrong goal, then we'll have to go and back right up to the beginning. I'm not doing that, right? I'm taking my time. A third of the podcast course is to make sure that we've got the right goal. Listen, I'm an impatient person. I would not spend time on it unless it was absolutely necessary. I like the old adage, fail to plan and plan to fail. There's a lot of great military quotes. Find them post them, send them to me. I love this stuff. The largest section of this podcast course, right? The intro and the first two episodes are all about setting the right target so that the rest of the podcast course flows smoothly and almost effortlessly. And you can make that goal yours. Okay. We're setting you up to succeed. We're priming you. We're honing you. We're doing the hard work now. So good. So for reasons I'm not entirely clear on in the United States, which is the country in which I grew up and was raised and have the bulk of my coaching clients at this point, we emphasize making an early commitment to a goal and sticking with that goal. Despite information that we may receive that that is the wrong goal, we ask high school freshmen to pick courses in high school based on the college they want to get into, right, based on what they want to do in life which means we're asking 14-year-olds to decide what they want to do with their lives when all they've done is be a child and a student and maybe played some basketball or lacrosse or blew into a flute or a drum. Like, that's a great way to make an uninformed decision. By the time that 14-year-old is 30, there will be new industries, right? When I went to college, coaching didn't exist. How could I be a coach? I had to have some time pass. When today's 30-somethings were in high school— Only criminals were involved in the drug trade, right? And now marijuana growth and distribution is a large profitable industry that is legal in many parts of the country, right? So the drug dealers from 30 years ago are now the great entrepreneurs of today. Or actually, no, I think the entrepreneurs of 30 years ago are being entrepreneurial in a whole new field today, right, that they didn't even have access to. So let's not make too many certainty decisions too early on. I see young adults every day who are in their 20s, back at home with their parents after college, and they feel terrible because they haven't quote unquote figured it out. Figured it out? After one of those clients leave my office, the next client will be a 50-year-old man who thought he had figured it out, went down the predictable and dependable path into law or journalism or medicine, and then the path stopped working for him. So hear me when I say, there is no figuring it out. As soon as you've got it figured out, it changes or you change. That is what you can be certain of, right? The only thing certain is change. You can have a baby, a marriage, a divorce, an illness, win the lottery. You are constantly in motion. The only thing to figure out is your own ability to evolve as your life and the world evolves. The only thing that's constant is change. As for the kids who don't know what they want to do in high school, for those kids who are brave enough to admit that they don't know, to me, the question is the answer. Recognizing that you don't know is powerful and probably part of why the idea of taking a gap year between high school and college is catching on so fast. I've been promoting The notion of a gap year for adults who turn 50, right? What do you think a midlife crisis is? A desperate need for a gap year, right? To reevaluate, to reassess, to look at what you've done, what your interests are, and how you want to have the next half of your life. All right, that'll be the next podcast course. The Culinary Institute of America, the biggest and most prestigious culinary school in the United States, has a policy that every student must work for six months in a restaurant or culinary environment before they can start culinary school. Culinary school, take it from me because I've been there, is awesome. You play, you eat, you learn, you cook, you saute, you deep fry, you bake. But working in a restaurant is super hard work. Instead of teaching students about food and leaving them with $50,000 of culinary school debt and access to an industry that starts at minimum wage and doesn't climb much higher— The Culinary Institute wants to make sure you desperately want this career, right? Don't just go to culinary school, decide that it's career, or go to culinary school as a hobby, but don't think it's your career, because when you get out on the other side, it's different. Requiring time in a restaurant is the ultimate weed-out policy, and I, bravo, CIA. Could you imagine if we had the same prerequisite for law school students? Because the goal of culinary school is not to have fun in culinary school. That's a nice side effect, but that's not the goal. It's to prepare you for professional life in the food industry. If you don't want to do the latter, then you probably want to avoid the former and the debt that goes with it. What if law school forced lawyers to work in a law firm before they went to law school? I'll tell you what, we know my client would have been weeded out earlier, right? Just as the CIA's process allows young food enthusiasts to determine whether or not they really want to have a career in food or maybe just take some hobbyist classes, the whole life model helps you identify the tools that you have to pursue your goal and confirms that you're ready to pursue this goal. If not, you'll pinpoint the areas that you might want to improve before you can realistically pursue this goal. If you realize that the goal you've set isn't actually the goal you want to pursue, no worries. Just go back to episode two, redo that smart goal setting for a goal that's more tuned into where you are now. It's cool. Now let's talk about your goal in the context of your life. Here's a little client story. Ava came to me to help her find a new job as she had been laid off the prior year. That was our main focus. However, early on in our work together, she revealed that she was 40 and seriously dating a terrific guy. And having a baby with him was important to her. That became a goal. An important goal. In fact, something that Ava wanted to address straight away, given that she was 40 and had a medical condition that might make her pregnancy complicated. So the career goal was there, but she needed to determine... Did her partner want a child? What did she need to do to get her body ready for a baby? So she came to me for career coaching, but given her age and situation, those two questions became far more urgent. I think it's safe to say that when she made the appointment with the career coach, she wasn't thinking that she'd walk out looking to make an appointment with a fertility expert. But since I'm a career and life coach, you get it all, just like Ava did. I mean, of course your career is an important part of a fulfilling life. It's a huge part of your life, but it's not the whole thing. No matter what your goal is, setting it within the context of your life helps you to confirm and validate the it, right? That it's important. Let's get into the whole life model. The whole life model is one of the most popular coaching assessment tools. Like I said, I learned about it in coaching school. And I've modified it for you. In this episode, you will use the whole life model to review a series of categories in your life, specifically health, spirituality, friends, family, love and partnership, personal development, fun and creativity, physical environment, finances, and career. Now, some of those you might think, oh, I know what that is. And some of those might be fun and creativity. What's that? Spirituality. What's that? I'll go in depth to describe each of these as you rank yourself for them. Using the whole life model, you're going to identify what's going well and what's going less well in your life based on your level of satisfaction and importance in the different areas. As you review your life, there are often surprises, things that have been bothering you, but you didn't realize you were ignoring and things worth celebrating that you've been taking for granted. Here's another client story. One of my favorite whole life model experiences was with Scott, who came to me for career and finance help. When he walked through the door, he said, my life sucks. Everything is a mess. Everything's ruined. He was 32 and the new father of a six-month-old baby boy. He was also five months out of drug rehab and out of work. The only company he'd ever worked for belonged to his stepfather, who he had no interest in working for again. During his second session, we worked through the whole life model and found that all of the areas of his life were going great, actually, except for career and finance, which are obviously linked. He deeply loved his partner, who he'd been with since he was 18. He loved his new condo. He had amazing friends from childhood, and he had recently started running again, so he was taking care of his health. He had a strong relationship with his father and his mother. Everything in his life didn't suck. In fact, most of it was pretty awesome. And I'm not even talking about his baby boy, who he was absolutely in love with. After we completed the whole life model exercise, I said to him, you know, with a little bit of humor, because that's how we rolled, I can see what you mean. Your life is really not in a good place. He yelled back at me. What are you talking about? My life is amazing. Have you even heard anything I said? My life is pretty great. And then he caught himself. You freaking tricked me. You made me say that. (laughs) I smiled. Nothing more needed to be said. I hadn't tricked him at all. He just recognized for himself all that he had going for him, and he chose to focus on that instead of what wasn't working. Why bring so much attention to your strengths? Because your strengths are resources you will leverage to help you reach your goal. Believe me, if you have a good relationship with your partner, you're going to lean on that partner as you pursue this big thing. Scott used his strengths and successes to create energy for the bigger changes he wanted to make. When he felt deflated, we used the whole life model to remind him, hey, you're a guy who has an incredible relationship with a long-term partner. You've produced a baby and you love being a dad. You have solid relationships from childhood. When we talked about his strengths, he realized how skilled and accomplished he was. Yes, of course, he had just gotten out of rehab, which meant he had done something to get into rehab, but now he was clean, right? So we looked at all the assets he had, all the strengths he had, and we're going to do that with you too. In helping Scott meet his goal of finding a job, I wanted to bring his attention to the resources he already had. He wanted to find a job, and he had a huge social network, which is a major advantage, and in fact... That network helped him find a job just two months after we began our work together. Let's talk about getting to baseline. As you work through the whole life model and observe your strengths, you may also notice things that aren't working as well as you'd like them to, areas that may be preventing you from pursuing your goal with fluidity and momentum. Those areas need to be addressed as well. One of the key categories in the whole life model is health, both physical and mental. This category is of the utmost importance and where I start with a lot of my clients. If your health isn't at baseline, if you aren't sleeping well or you're not in a good mental place, then you simply aren't as well equipped as you could be to pursue your goal. So let's address this one first to determine what you need. Maybe it's the mom and me, but I take sleeping and eating and exercising very seriously. My one son, if he doesn't do two hours of outdoor exercise a day, we're going to torpedo it, right? We're going to torpedo bedtime. Homework's not going to get done. It's not going to work, right? I take exercise super seriously. That sleep, nothing's as precious to me as sleep. Everyone in my house knows it. People who know me know it. I've gotten pretty good at sleep so that now I wake up without an alarm. And that's important to me too, right? To have that jarring alarm versus just waking up naturally. These are things I take seriously. And this to me is physical and mental health baseline. I ask all of my clients these questions before we even work together. So here they go for you. So let's start with sleep. Are you getting enough sleep? And for me, enough is eight hours. I think for most adults, it's between seven and nine.
1: If you're getting less than seven, it's not enough. So are you getting enough sleep? If the answer is no, quick question, do you keep
0: your phone or any other screens in your bedroom? And if you're even thinking about telling me that your phone is your alarm clock, you can buy an alarm clock at the drugstore for $4. So you can just take that excuse right out of there. When do you shut off media before you go to sleep? Can you close all media... 30 to 60 minutes before bed. And by media, I mean screens. A book is fine. Do you consume caffeine in the afternoon? How could you reshape your day to get the sleep you need? Again, for me, it's eight hours for you between seven and nine. How could you reshape your day to get the full night of sleep that you need? Spoiler alert, it's probably going to involve going to bed earlier. What would you need to do to make your bedroom a dark, comfortable, highly optimized sleeping space? Do you have a practice for helping to calm your mind when it's time to sleep? A lot of people find that anxiety peaks just at bedtime. Do you have a process for managing that? And if not, I'm going to help you with it. Let's talk about exercise. Are you dancing or running or skiing or biking or hiking? What do you do to get your blood pumping? Are you elevating your heart rate three days a week? Is there strength training in your life? That means an activity where you're carrying weight, even if it's just your own body weight.
1: It's not just pumping iron. It could be walking up hills or stairs or something like that. Now let's talk about eating. Do you have healthy food in the house?
0: Do you have access to healthy food where you live? In your house, at the office, etc. By healthy, I mean whole foods, fresh, not the grocery store, but the, the product. Fresh fruits, vegetables, nuts, etc. Not processed food. Are you at a healthy weight? And it's not, I want to drop 15 pounds to be skinny. Are you at a healthy weight? Is your BMI in a healthy zone? If you don't know what your BMI is, you can go online, and this could be an action step for you if you don't know.
1: um, Look at your weight, look at your height, and find out if you're in the healthy zone. Overall, are you happy with your eating habits? Next, and this is the last section here
0: for the mental and physical health, rest and restoration. What do you do for fun? How do you relax? Do you meditate or do yoga? Do you want to? Do you have adequate support in the home? If you're a parent, do you have someone who helps with your children? A spouse, or a romantic partner, or a family member, or a nanny, or a babysitter? Are you doing it all yourself? Do you feel frazzled and overwhelmed because of housekeeping, cooking,
1: social obligations, and cleaning? So the next question to ask is, how can
0: we put more hours in your day, right? How can we do that? Because I've just asked you to sleep more and have more help. (laughs) So how can we put more hours in your day? We outsource. When you answer the questions in the last section, it's going to help you figure out what isn't working for you. You can then decide how to deal with those areas of your life rather than continuing to struggle with them for no gain. Outsourcing tasks that bring you down, if you can, is a great way to give back time to yourself that you can spend working on this goal. I know that a lot of women, and yes, it's frequently women who bring up this concern in my coaching practice, who hate cleaning their house and don't have help. If you have the resources to hire a housekeeper and you're feeling held back by all the cooking and cleaning, then by all means, outsource the work. If you don't like doing laundry, bring a sack in. Again, if you have the means, do it. And if you're working, you know, at a job for $20 an hour and it takes you three hours to do the laundry versus outsourcing it for 20 bucks, well, that math works, right? Sometimes you have to buy back your time so that you can use it on things that are of more value to you. If you find yourself saying, I don't have enough time, you might try asking yourself how you can buy back your hours. In my office, I've seen a lot of women, particularly working moms, stressing themselves out thinking that they can do it all and can have it all. This is a dangerous mindset. I meet exhausted and depressed people every day who have bought into that mindset and it is not working. The notion of having it all is crazy-making. I subscribe to a different philosophy. You can have it all, just not all at the same time. So let's prioritize what you'd like to have first. Part of effective goal prioritizing is figuring out what's not working for you, what you're tolerating, and actively looking for ways to improve the situation. If laundry is piling up and becoming a problem and holding you back from other things, then consider a laundry service. There are some very reasonable services available. And if that's what it takes to save your marriage and your sanity, well, then go for it. If scrubbing toilets wrecks your day, consider a housekeeper or a cleaning service. If your sleep, fitness, diet, or time management is out of whack, there are very accessible ways to address those issues. How much junk food do you eat? How much caffeine do you consume? What would a healthier version of yourself look like? Here's a reflection stop point. Now that you've reflected on your health, specifically your sleeping, eating, exercise, and rest patterns, what do you notice? What is working, and what would you like to bolster? Last question, what does a healthy version of you look like? Where is the gap
1: between where you are today and where you'd like to be? Now let's talk about what you value.
0: In the last episode, we talked about the epitaph self and the resume self. Although your goal may be part of your resume self, your values are your epitaph self. Where does your goal fit in with your values? In order for you to obtain your goal, we want to plant it in fertile soil. Your values are the richest soil there is, right? It's the ultimate fertilizer. Your values are the ideas you believe in, the actions you take. They are reflected in what and who you stand up for, what you consider important. After your basic animal needs are met, what else do you need? And where do you put your efforts? Sometimes there's a part of your life that you don't value and you pay little attention to it, health, for example. Then something happens and you return your attention to this aspect of your life with heightened vigilance. You start to value and take care of your health like never before. The whole life model will help you identify and reinforce what you value and what is important to you today. Connecting your values to your goal will help you refine and reconfirm your goal. If your life doesn't accommodate your original goal, adjust the goal. You don't adjust your values. They are the foundation you build yourself, and therefore your goal, upon. Here's a reflection stop point. Have you ever not been able to do something important because it was eclipsed by something more urgent? Canceling a work obligation due to a snowstorm or sick child comes to mind. What happened as a result of that shifting of obligations?
1: In your life, what comes first? Who comes first? What is something that you outgrew in the last year? Clothes, shoes, people, habits, music? Do you support any causes? Do you march or take a political stand? Is there
0: someone or something that you stood up for recently? At the end of the last episode, you prepared an action
1: list. What was on your action list that didn't get done? Why not? Okay, enough preamble. It is time to do the whole life model. All
0: right, let's do this. So just a minute ago, we explored the idea that a goal can shift based on an awareness of values. I hope the open-ended questions were thought-provoking and provided some insights. You are now ready to sharpen that focus. The whole life model will help you take inventory of 10 areas of your life as they are today and your general state of satisfaction with those areas. Before we begin, please reconnect with the SMART goal you formed in the last episode. Now, reconnect with it. I mean, look at it. If you've committed to memory, just shout it out. That's awesome. But if not, look in the workbook, look in your iPad, look in your PDF, look at it. Great. Does it still look good or do you have any reservations? Or maybe a little of both. (laughs) Just take a second to think about how you feel.
1: Good, reservations, nervous, nervous excitement. Many people start to plan their gardens by daydreaming about the kind of flowers and plants that
0: they want or, you know, coveting their neighbor's garden. Then there's that moment where the gardener takes a look at their own space. What kind of light do they have? What's the soil like? What's the weather like in this region? What's already growing there? How much space is there? The gardener adjusts his dreams based on the reality of the space. As much as I love palm trees, it's unlikely that I will grow them in my backyard in New Jersey. This chapter is that moment, right? You've got the SMART goal that you've daydreamed believed in, and now it's time to walk into your backyard and see what you've got to work with and refine your goal within the context of your assets and your values today. I want a palm tree that badly, perhaps the answer is a move to Florida or California. So I'll need to plan for that move before I can plant the tree. If I'm all about that palm, I must have the palm, life's going to change. This exercise will ensure that you can and will achieve the goal you've selected, that this is the best goal for you right now, that this will help you commit to your change and you'll start to increase your investment and motivation. Using the whole life model, you will review a series of categories. We've described them before. Let's do it again. Health, spirituality, friends, family, love and partnership, personal development, fun and creativity, physical environment, finances, and career. Then you're going to rank each of these categories on a scale of 1 to 10 based on two different attributes. Number one, your satisfaction with this area of your life at present. So how satisfied are you with your health at present, right? You're going to scale that one to 10. One, not satisfied. 10, totally satisfied. You'll scale your satisfaction. For me, satisfaction with my health is probably an eight. The importance of this area to my life at present. Those that rank most important are what I value most. The importance of this area to your life at present. Those that you rank as most important are what you value most. Health, again, I would say importance of health is nine, right? So my satisfaction is an eight. The importance is a nine. I'm just explaining to you how it's going to work. I'm going to go through each of these categories one by one really thoroughly. And you're going to rank them for your satisfaction and the importance. After you score yourself please provide the deviation, which is the importance minus satisfaction. In some cases, you'll have a negative number. For me, nine was how important my health was and satisfaction was in an eight. So I've got a one, right? So likely there are other areas of my life that I could shine a light on that are more important, that have more room for impact, right? A one isn't that much room for impact. I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, just rewind and listen again. And grab the whole life model assessment from your workbook. It's a wheel. It looks pretty cool. It's a graphical way to mark off each of the categories so that you can see them in relation to one another. So we're not just going to do this as a math exercise. It's going to be a visual exercise. It's going to be fabulous. Stay with me on this. Next, we're going to go into a more in-depth explanation of each of the 10 areas, right? After each explanation, I want you to take a moment and scale yourself on the two parameters, satisfaction and importance, and then take a few moments to explain the rationale for your scaling. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm not sending you off to do this worksheet on yourself. I'm going to talk you through it with lots of good questions each step of the way. So let's start with your health. So this area refers to your physical and mental health. You've already thought through a lot of this earlier in the episode, right? When I was asking you about your sleep and your rest and relaxation, all that kind of stuff. So when you think about your satisfaction with your health, think about these questions. Are you content with your level of fitness and exercise? Do you consider yourself healthy? If no, are you receiving the medical care you need? Do you sleep right? Do you eat right? Do you have health insurance so that you can get care if you need it? Are you mentally okay? Do you consider yourself at or above baseline as a mentally healthy person? Or might you need some help to get to baseline? Are you anxious? Are you depressed? Are you self-medicating with alcohol or other recreational drugs? Do you see a therapist? Would you like to? Are you taking medication? Is the medication working for you? Do you think you need to increase or reduce your medication? So on a scale of 1 to ten, one not, 10, very, yes. 10 is the positive of, yes, I have it in abundance. 1 is, I don't have it. I am satisfied with my physical and mental health. There's a lot that goes into that number. But answer the question and next importance how important is this area of life to you at first i was going to say 8 but then i was thinking yeah, i'm saying 8 because everything's going well right if it wasn't going well it would be prioritized so it's a 9 that was what it was for me but say what you think it is for you how important is your physical and mental health to you and then of course do the delta of importance minus satisfaction that delta
1: is going to help us determine which of the areas you want to prioritize as a goal Now, if you can, take a moment to explain why. Why you're satisfied, why
0: you're not satisfied. This is a really great moment to capture maybe some action items. You know what? I'd be more satisfied with my sleep if I just put my phone in the kitchen and not in the bedroom. It could be as simple as that. So just take the moment to say that. Next is spirituality. Now, this is a lots of people define this differently, right? Everyone ha- defines it differently. So how do you define it? In according to me, right? Your your host for this podcast course, spiritual reality refers to your spirit and your place in the larger scheme of things. This is me doing spirituality not dogmatic religion. So how are you connected to other people? beings, thoughts, or nature? How do you connect with the world at large? The larger sense of belonging, peace, life. Some people tend to their spirit with a yoga and meditation practice. Others go to church every Sunday. Some people volunteer. Others birdwatch. How do you connect your spirit to the world? So on a scale of 1 to 10, how satisfied are you with your level of spirituality? your spiritual practice. You'll know if something's missing, right? How important is this area of life to you? And of course, importance minus satisfaction. I will tell you, this is the one section where a lot of my clients have a negative number. They're they're content, they're happy, this isn't something they want to focus on. Sometimes they don't realize that. Until then, they realize they do want to focus on it. But if you're having a negative number, just know it's fine. Now, again, provide an explanation. Maybe you're totally fine with where you are with spirituality. Maybe you feel something that's missing, right? Is it with the religion you grew up with? Is it the lack of religion, too much religion? If there's cognitive dissonance, just jot down a few ideas why. Friends. Now, you you don't need a huge network of friends to feel a sense of satisfaction here. Do you have a couple of friends who you can turn to when you want to connect? Are you satisfied with these relationships? Who do you have in your life who knows your story and thinks you're just great? Do you see these people with a frequency that's satisfying to you? I'm not saying do you see them enough. Do you see them with a frequency that's enough for you? Do you have work friends, high school friends, college friends, friendships you've nurtured throughout your life, new friends? Who is your newest friend? Are you able to shed the friends you've outgrown? On a scale of 1 to 10, how satisfied are you with your friendships? 10 being maximum satisfaction. How important is this area of life to you? And then, of course, importance minus satisfaction. Now, please take a moment to just jot down a few words about why, right? If you chose 10 and 10, then you're just right a big gold star. If you chose 9 or anything less than 10, talk about what you'd need to get to a 10. Next is family. Now, family can refer to your family of origin, your current family, or both, depending on what's important to you right now, right? This is your story, so tell the story you want to tell. How are your relationships with your parents? How are your relationships with your children? Do you want children? Do you have children? Do your parents need support, and are they able to get it? How are your relationships with your siblings? Do you want to improve them? And can you? On a scale of 1 to 10, I am satisfied with my family. Again, family of origin, family you've created, however you define family. On a scale of 1 to 10, how important is this to you? How important is this area of your life? And then again, importance minus satisfaction. Family can be wrought with so much, right? Such powerful relationships. Do take a moment to explain why you chose the numbers. Why are they important? Why are you satisfied or not? In this section, even if you have 10, right? Even if you're maximally satisfied with your family, even if it's maximal satisfaction, take a moment to describe why, right? Right? Take a moment to describe why you're so happy. This could be the framework that really supports you with this goal of pursuit. Just take a moment to explain why. Our next section, ooh, it's a good one. It's love and partnership. Now, this refers to your primary relationship, husband, wife, partner, live-in person, or maybe you don't have one. If you don't have one, is that okay with you? Or do you want to find a partner? I don't want to assume you need to have a partner. Perhaps you're just as happy as a pig in mud, and that's great. For some people, this might not even refer to a spouse. It could be a best friend or someone who looks out for them, a closest pal in your apartment building, someone who's a witness to your life. On a scale of 1 to 10, I am satisfied with my love slash partnership. Again, remember, 10 is maximum satisfaction. And this area of life is important to me, one to 10. And then importance minus satisfaction. And do take a moment to explain what's working in your relationship, what's not, what are some holes. Maybe you're, like I said, you're just a pig in mud at your singleness and you're super happy, but it's really annoying the way people are always asking you when you're going to find a partner, right? Maybe that's a dissatisfaction, not for your life, but for having to interact with the whole world who has their expectations about what they want you to do, right? Next section is personal development. This is one that might not be completely intuitive, so let's take a second with this. According to Daniel Pink, who's the author of Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us, along with other wonderful books, but that's the one I was quoting from for this one, one of the key components of satisfying work is working toward mastery in an area where mastery is achievable. You're going to learn more about this in episode seven. Are you working toward mastery in any area? My local postman is also a triathlete. His job is a satisfying way for him to earn a living, and his need for personal development is sated by this hobby. Some corporations focus on personal growth opportunities like leadership training or management development for their employees, which helps their staff gain mastery in a way that helps the corporation as well. How are you developing personally? and moving your mastery forward. This may be as simple as reading novels or as complex as learning a new language. Think about this one for a second. It's development, and it doesn't really matter where or how the development is, but is there an area in which you're developing? On a scale of 1 to 10, I am satisfied with my personal development. And next, this area of life is important to me. Again, scaling it on a scale of 1 to 10. How important is this to you? And finally, importance minus satisfaction. And please jot down some explanation as to your rationale. These are the gold bits, right? These are your insights. This is really helpful for you moving forward. Perhaps you're developing and you just haven't been conscious of it, but you decided you're going to take your whole family skiing this winter and you're going to commit to learning to ski, or you're going to look for a summer house and really invest in spending time together as your family, right? So you want to invest in some board games and card games. (laughs) Whatever it is, let's just be conscious of the development you're doing or that you want to do. The next section is fun and creativity. Now, to be perfectly up front, a lot of my clients stumble on this one, and I think that's really telling. So a fun creative outlet is something that you do for the sake of doing it. This could mean playing an instrument, making a bonfire, taking an adult cooking class, playing charades, or watching stand-up comedy. You are not looking to become a master chef. It's just fun, right? I, I, I guess sometimes when I toast marshmallows on a bonfire, we compete for the best marshmallow, but like, we're not taking it that seriously, right? It's just fun. It's just a s'more, man. It could mean dancing in your living room or dressing up for a costume party. It's active. So many of my clients overlook this area or see it as frivolous. I just had a client the other day, what does dancing do for me? How does that help me with my career? Oh, girl, we need to go out dancing, obviously, right? So Fun isn't frivolous. It's, it's an opportunity to recharge, right? Courts in the Middle Ages had their jesters. Every major television network has late night comedy shows. Why? Because we like to have fun. We literally need to laugh to have ease. If we weren't meant to laugh, we wouldn't have the ability. We need to do it, right? Everyone needs to have some fun and an opportunity to create and contribute fun and creativity. So on a scale of one to 10, now that I've brought up fun and creativity in your life, how satisfied are you with the fun and creativity in your life? And and think about what it is, right? Maybe start with the notes. Start about where do you have fun? How does fun happen? How is fun in your schedule? How are you creative? Sometimes, you know, if you're a professional artist, you you sort of lose that creative edge because it becomes your job, right? So how do you keep creativity, Perhaps it's the amazing end-of-year holiday letter that you write every year and people look forward to it. Maybe you write limericks. Maybe you make up silly songs or play games in the car. I don't know. You know. How do you do fun and creativity? How satisfied are you with the fun and creativity in your life? And how important to you is it? My guess is, if you're like a lot of my clients who don't really think about it, it's not a priority, but is it important? Now are you seeing it in a new light? So Brene Brown, who is a leading researcher on the subject of vulnerability and author of many books and host to a fabulous Netflix show, if you haven't seen it, Run, Don't Walk. In her very first book, she talked about the importance of creativity and confessed, you know, a mighty Michael's habit where she goes to that craft store and purchases lots of stuff just to do creative work, just to have that downtime to create, to play. Now, no one's coming to her for her art But she enjoys doing those projects as a way to recharge. All right, next. And congratulations, you've made it over the halfway point. There's three of 10 sections left. I hope this is being really thought-provoking for you. Let's continue on. Next section is your physical environment. When you think about the physical spaces you inhabit, your home, your car, your office, how do these spaces impact you? Do they add to your calm, peace, and inspiration? Or are they cluttered and burdensome? One of my clients refers to a person's physical environment as their third skin. The first is your actual skin, and then there's your clothes, and then there's your environment. How do the spaces you inhabit contribute to your well-being? Are they good for you or not? what do you need to do to improve them? Is your car clean? Is it cluttered? Is it chaotic? Does your bedroom feel like you? Is it cozy? How's your kitchen? How's your home? How's your office? On a scale of 1 to 10, how satisfied are you with your physical environment? And then, of course, this area of life is important to you. How important is it to you? Spoiler alert, this is where a lot of my clients find little things that they can shift. They start to identify that they have a lot of things that they tolerate in their physical environment. Like, I don't know. Uh, lights that need to be changed, squeaky doors. This can lead to a flurry of activity. So maybe this might fill your, some of your next steps for the next session. There can be a lot of things that we grow to tolerate in our environments. That's why sometimes you leave for vacation, you come back, and you're like, that's it. We have to clean the house, right? That's what spring cleaning is for. Stuff accumulates, and then we have to shift it. Shift of the season can really help with that. So if you can, jot down a few notes on your physical environment. Again, your home, your car.
1: Your office, the physical spaces you inhabit, your closet. Next is finances. Are you
0: comfortable with your money or are you in debt? The majority of adults, especially those coming out of college, are deeply in debt, and unfortunately, many don't know how to deal with it or have chosen not to deal with it. Now is the time to take a good long look at your finances. Where are they and where do you want them to be? Are you on track? Are you deep in debt? Do you have extra money? Do you have a trust fund and are you stressed about the possibility of losing it? Are you realistic about spending the money you have? Do you consider yourself financially healthy? Now, one of the very first questions I ask clients is about money. Here we are, we are in our third episode and we're already talking about your money. This is a big one. And it's not something that we really talk about in American culture, is it? So this is important. Be honest. Now, one really interesting thing is a lot of my clients who have a lot of money, kids' college is paid for, retirement is paid for, carry with them stress of a lack of enoughness. And one of the best things we can do is to realize that they have enough, right? And maybe they can leave the career they don't like because they've been doing it for the money and they have enough and they don't have to do it anymore. So, on a scale of one to 10, How satisfied are you with the state of your finances? How important are finances to you? Do you have debt that you're just not dealing with, but you know you need to, and it's dragging you down maybe unconsciously? And give a little explanation. Tell the truth about your finances. Maybe you're young and you feel like you've got plenty of time and you add to that 401k religiously what is your financial situation? I have clients who have millions of dollars in the bank and feel like they can't retire at 80 because they're afraid. They have plenty, right? They just have to shift their mindset and start enjoying their retirement. Last section, you've made it here. Hopefully, you're starting to see some patterns. And when you look at importance minus satisfaction, you're starting to prioritize, huh, These are areas I can do a little work in. I know your next steps are going to be loaded up this week (laughs) because there's lots of easy wins once you do the whole life model, lots of little things you can tweak and give yourself more ease and joy. Next, career. Since I'm a career and life coach, most of my clients come to me to talk about career. This is the one issue that they know they want to work on. I find that people are willing to invest time and money in addressing their career needs. In fact, your career might be the reason you've chosen to participate in this podcast course. That might be your goal. Is your career satisfying? Does your career satisfy your need to earn a living? Does your career satisfy your desire to contribute to society in a meaningful way? You guys, this one's the biggie. Does your career satisfy your need and desire to contribute to society in a meaningful way? Every human has that need. Is your career satisfying yours? Do you feel appreciated in the workplace? Are you able to do your work the way you'd like to? Does your job make use of your skills and talents? Can you see a path to continued growth? On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm satisfied with my career. Go ahead, scale it. This area is important to me on a scale of 1 to 10. Go ahead, scale it. And of course, importance minus satisfaction. Now, as you're thinking through your explanation and writing that down, I just want to say a lot of times I see people putting too much emphasis on their career to be their everything. Just like sometimes we put um, too much emphasis on our partners to be our everything, right? No one person is going to be your everything, and no one job is going to satisfy all your needs, right? So let's put career in its rightful place as one of 10 areas of your life. It's not the only thing, right? It's not supposed to be my life's purpose. Some people find their purpose through their career. Some people find their purpose through their family, and their career is just a lot of fun. So there's no should on this one, right? There's what works for you. But just a caution to not overemphasize career. Well, congratulations, you have now completed the whole life model. So since you've done this, and if you've used the worksheet, the whole life model circle, you can now very clearly see the two areas of your life that are going the best, right, where you have the highest satisfaction and highest importance. You can see where the biggest deltas are and what are the areas that you might want to work on, and you can confirm whether or not this goal is the right goal. So take a moment with this and do the work, and if you need to go back to episode two and redo your goal, you can do it. And if you've confirmed that this is the right goal at this time, great. I am curious, what's working best in your life, right? Let's shine a light on that. Let's look at the three areas of your life that are going majestically. Maybe it's fun. Maybe it's personal development. Maybe it's your friends or your family. Let's just take a moment and really appreciate that. That, I would love to see you list it as your insights, right? What's going great in your life? We'll put that on your insights at the end of the, the episode. So now, just a little, little bit of story, and we're almost near the end of this episode. The whole the whole life model, right? The whole is more important than the parts. You have committed to this podcast course for a reason. It might be that you want a better relationship or a different career or to figure out how to manage your life now that you have a baby. The whole life model is useful because it puts the importance of any one area of life, career or finances or family, in the context of the rest of your life the solution to a challenge in any one area becomes more evident when seen through the lens of your larger life. Here's a little story about my husband, who has also been my client. So you can wrap your head around that one. Yep, he had to sit in the waiting room, do his prep sheets just like everybody else. (laughs) Okay. So My husband, Aaron, made an enormous career change after a successful 25-year career. And he was only able to do it because he reconceived his career within the context of the rest of his life. He had been a journalist for 25 years, working for companies like TheStreet.com, Yahoo Finance, and Fortune, where he had been editor-in-chief and an on-camera host for the last decade. He led teams of 15 to 50 people and was well-regarded by his colleagues. Side note, he actually has a Wikipedia page. Like, I don't make this stuff up. Aaron Task, you can look him up. And yet he came to a point where he realized that the profession he found so meaningful was no longer a fit for his lifestyle needs. As a father of four, with three of those children under five, he recognized that compensation in journalism stagnated and seasoned journalists, editors, and managers were being replaced by two or three hungry young journalists willing to work for less. Hey, the only constant is change, right? Plus, for the top journalism jobs, he would need to commute at least two hours every day, which made it difficult to be as involved as he wanted to be with his family and community and opinionated wife. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, that's true. So yeah, I figured into that too. So I I cannot understate the significance of this shift. Journalism is a calling and his identity was as a journalist because he knew that that career could no longer satisfy several sections of his whole life, including his physical environment with the commute, his family, his partnership, and finances, he was able to ask a different question and set a different SMART goal. How could he use his writing, editing, and team management skills in a different way? He needed his job to give him the opportunity to be around for his four children, raise his income, and reduce his commute. That's very different... Than just looking for another editor in chief job in New York City. So, when he had that insight, he chose to leave journalism and move to a corporate career. He was able to use his editorial and management skills in a new environment working for a successful, growing global company. He has a far better work life balance and has a leadership role in a growing industry. Plus, he gets to drop off his kids at school and attend their midday events, something he never would have been able to do otherwise. Aaron's current career isn't the path he originally built or envisioned, and it enables him to have the life he wants to have now. He redefined career success in light of the life he wanted to have. Now, incidentally, As I said at the beginning of this story, it was this very coaching process that led my husband to make that choice. He was coach curious, and I suggested he try a session with me. I treated him like any other client. Just like I said, he scheduled the appointment, waited in the waiting room, and did his prep. I did my best to unknow what I knew about his situation so that I could listen to him talk about his wants and needs with fresh coaching ears. You can make a good career move that gets you more money or a better title. Or you can consult with a life coach or right now what you're doing, right? You're listening to this podcast course. And in this, I will help you establish and pursue a goal that aligns with the entirety of your life, not just one area. So you can make a, quote, good career move that gets you more money or a better title, Or you can participate in this very podcast course to have a personal revolution where I'm going to help you establish and pursue a goal that aligns with the entirety of your life, right? Not just one area. Career, next job, more money, next job, more money. It's not that easy, right? Where does it fit in your life? Let's go back to your whole life model. Now, you've scaled yourself for significance and importance in each of the 10 areas of the whole life model, explored the rationale for your choices, hopefully found some next steps, and found your deviation, right? The delta. Well done. Now, let's interpret the results to determine which of those areas are going well and which you may want to focus your attention on. The first thing I'd like to do is clarify which of the areas of your life are most important to you. Those are the areas that you ranked between 7 and 10. Now, these are key. Which three areas did you rank highest? Take note of that and write it in the space in your worksheet. Next, look at the deviation or the delta between importance and satisfaction and find the numbers have the biggest gap, right? If finance satisfaction is at a two, and importance is at an eight. That's a gap of six, and that's significant. However, if spirituality satisfaction is at an eight, and the importance is two, that's a deviation of minus six, which means it's not something we're probably going to focus on. In fact, any negative numbers can be disregarded for the purposes of this exercise. So let's identify which three or four areas have the largest delta or deviation. Identify that in your workbook. The areas of greatest importance are what you value most. Ideally, any action you take at this point will address your need in these areas. The deltas identify where you're experiencing the most significant dissatisfaction and where change is most needed. This is why many of my clients come to me for help in one area, like career change, and leave with an additional goal, like having a baby. Using the whole life model, they recognize another area of great importance that they did not have awareness of prior to completing the exercise. At this point, you may see that you need to shift your goal and prioritize a different need. If you want to start finding a new job, so that you can leave your husband. And you're not sure if you want to leave your husband, you may want to have two goals, a job search and to begin marital counseling or individual therapy to decide if you're in or out of the relationship. Ideally, your SMART goal reflects your top deviation. If not, you may want to shift your goal to address your most acute need. Yes, this means a return to the last episode, episode two, to create a new SMART goal. Sorry but better to know now than once you're down the field further. If your goal aligns with what's important to you and your areas of need, please proceed. Here's an action stop point. Which categories of the whole life model are more important to you than you realized? What new insights do you have about your life after completing the whole life model? How do your values or areas of importance reinforce your goal? what's the link? If you're doing very well in areas of high value, both satisfaction and importance ranked above seven, why is that?
1: How can you use these assets as you pursue your goal? Action stop point complete. Thank you for taking that time.
0: Now, let's really commit to your goal. Let's connect your emotion to your refined SMART goal. At the end of the second episode, you created insights, then translated those insights into an action plan with a SMART goal. At the conclusion of that episode, you completed a visualization to help reinforce your goal. Now, in this episode, The Whole Life Model, you've completed The Whole Life Model with a full analysis and assessment of what's important to you, and determined your satisfaction with the areas of your life. You've determined once and for all that your goal is the right goal to pursue at this time. Now, let's reinforce your commitment. We're talking about putting it in ink, baby, by confirming that achieving this goal will, in fact, change your life. Here are two questions for you as a reflection stop point. If I achieve this goal, how will my life be different? I've asked this question before. I'm now asking it with a whole life in mind. What does my life look like when I achieve this goal? Again, same question asked with a little bit different context, answering from the whole life model. When I achieve this goal, what will I have that I don't have now? Money, time, health, relationships? Who is impacted when I achieve this goal? Having achieved this goal, what would my life be like in terms of my own satisfaction on a scale of 1 to 10? Hey, how satisfied am I with my life now? How satisfied will I be with my life with this in it? What will achieving this goal enable me to do that I can't do at present? Thank you for taking a moment for that reflection. Now, let's have a real honest chat about your financial health. Money can be a subject of anxiety for many people, and financial worries often hold people back from reaching for their goal. Facing the realities of their money situation can help people refine their goal. Here's a client story. Isabella was a lawyer who ended up staying in her legal career because the more she looked around, the better she seemed to have it. By securing a raise and better work conditions over the course of our work together, the grass no longer seemed as green on the other side. When we concluded our work, she said, I thought by hiring a career coach, I'd end up finding that the perfect career for me was flower arranging or something like that. As it turns out, entry-level flower arrangers make far less than Georgetown lawyers with 30 years of experience. Isabella came to me to change careers and realized she actually quite liked her career. Instead, she wanted to do more travel. Her career filled lots of boxes, not all of them, but through the coaching process, through the whole life model, she recognized that she couldn't get what she wanted by changing her career at 55. Although Isabella was willing to take a bit of a salary dip for her dream career, she wasn't willing to cut it as substantially as that alternative career would require. Alternatively, you may be in a better position to invest in a career change than you realize. Here's another client story. Mia came to me with $200,000 in the bank that she had built up in just three years of freelancing after her divorce. She had socked away almost a quarter of a million dollars in three years, Working as a freelance stylist, wow. She had an idea for her next project, something big that she was passionate about and uniquely skilled to pursue. However, it would be more freelance work. She came to me because she had financial anxiety and wanted help finding a job as soon as possible. When we reviewed her finances and revealed her ample cushion, she realized that she could reduce the pressure she was putting on herself to earn. I asked, what if you gave yourself a year to figure out your project and use that money to pay your expenses for the year? She realized she had what she needed to invest in herself, and then she did it. Money was holding her back because she thought she couldn't afford to pursue one of her most important goals. She was sitting on a huge asset that could, in fact, enable the pursuit of her goal. Of the people I meet for an initial appointment, 75% are disconnected with their monthly finances. They don't know how much money they need to pay their bills each month. They operate on a rough estimate, which may be way off, or worse, they operate from a place of debt. They may not have a financial plan or know whether they are moving towards their retirement goal. So it's important to get your financial ducks in a row. This is as good a time as any. Just like I like my clients to go to the doctor for an annual checkup, financial awareness can lead to improved financial health, reduced financial anxiety, and empowerment to address what needs to be fixed. If you recognize that your finances are a little weaker than you'd like them to be, take some time to go over your bank statements and bills and figure out your monthly expenses. Include housing, food, utilities, transportation, debt repayment, vacations, and all the other areas where you spend money each month. Figure out the exact dollar amount that you need to keep your life running. Identify your burn rate and what kind of income you need at a minimum to meet your needs. A resource that I have found and my clients love is a book by Vicki Robin called Your Money or Your Life. This book will step you through the process of identifying what you spend money on and if that's really important for the life you want to have. So if you want to go deeper on finances... That's the book I wholeheartedly recommend. Now let's talk about whether or not this time is the right time to pursue your goal. Now, (laughs) by now, we're in this. We're doing this podcast course together. If, in fact, this is not the right goal at the time, that's okay. Maybe settle down, do a smaller goal, do a less onerous, ambitious goal. You can still get something out of this podcast course Shift your goal to make sense for you right now. Before I begin work with a new client, one of the things I try to determine during our first conversation is whether or not they're at baseline. So before you pursue this podcast course, are there specific obligations, health issues, or other challenges in your life that are preventing you from going deep into the questions presented in this chapter. If you are struggling with the questions asked because they are bringing up negative feelings such as anxiety or depression, or you need to heal or strengthen another area first, now is the time to bring in other professionals such as therapists or psychiatrists to bring you to baseline. Coaching is hard work. And just like an ambitious physical endeavor, you've got to be ready for it before you begin. If you're teetering near baseline and you think this might trigger you, call the therapist, call the psychiatrist, get the support team ready for you as you pursue this ambitious goal. You wouldn't go hiking in the Himalayas without a checkup to the doctor first, right? Here's your action stop point. By the end of this episode, you will be clear on and committed to that one thing you want to work on, committed enough to tell someone else about it, like your friends or your partner. Consider this person or people as your stakeholders. They're the people who will be affected and impacted, and that's something to work through with them. By sharing your goal, you'll also be building a network of support and accountability for the project. There's more to come on this in the eighth episode. If you feel blocked even after these three episodes, remember... This podcast course isn't your only resource. If you're experiencing a blockage or something isn't working, I can provide even more assistance. You can always reach out to me through my website, alisontask.com, or set up your own introductory coaching session with me or another coach. There's one more assessment tool that my clients find useful for values clarity. It's called the Via Character Strengths Test, and you can find it at viacharacter.org. Viacharacter.org. If you're struggling with a whole life model or just feeling unclear about what's important to you, try this tool. It can help. Maybe that's something you want to put on your next steps this week. And now, here we are at the end of this episode, which means it's time for insights and actions. So pull out your workbook or an episode three, insights and actions. For insights, I got a couple of questions just to prime these insights. What are the top areas of strength you identified with the whole life model? Is there anything new you need to do before pursuing your SMART goal? Are you ready to go or do you need some stuff to do first? Can you do these things easily or will you be shifting your goal? Identify your new SMART goal or reconfirm your SMART goal, but write down that goal again. At some point, you're going to memorize this thing. Remember, if anything really struck you during this episode, right, if you were completing the questions for your whole life model and you circled things and drew an arrow next to it or highlighted it, that's an insight. Capture your key insights on the insight form. We're looking for at least five insights today. Now let's take a look at your actions. A few priming questions. Who are two or three people who will be impacted by or who are important to achieving your goal? What's the best way to share your goal with them? identify those people. Write down their names in your workbook. Next question. I love this. But there's like extra action items, even better. See, I get all jazzed up with extra action items because that just means you're going to move forward faster. That's the whole point, right? We don't want to wait until your husband, you know, two months from now doesn't like your goal. What's the point of that? Get them involved now. Next, take a look at your finances or schedule a meeting with a financial planner. Will your finances have an impact on your goal? If you're thinking about changing careers, what's the minimum amount you need to make for the kind of life you want to live? Figure out the kind of money you need, right? One of the first questions I ask when people want to change careers, how much do you need to make? Not how much do you make? Not how much do you want to make? How much do you need to make? It's a very different question. So I ask you now, how much do you need to make? Will this goal shift that, change that? Can you still do that while pursuing this goal? And finally, what are the three to five actions you would like to take this week to move towards your goal? And yes, that's in addition to looking at your finances. And yes, that's in addition to chatting with your two key stakeholders, because we're getting you moving forward faster. My darling, that is it for episode three. High five. Woo. You did it. Episode three whole life model. So that means you've completed the intro. You've chose to commit to this course, to pursuing your goal. You've got a smart goal. You banged on it with the whole life model. You confirmed that this is the right goal for you. And for that, I have a gift. The gift is episode four, which will be coming out real soon. It's called Come on, get happy. All right. Who remembers the Partridge family? Remember the little bus, the family, the Partridges? Come on, get happy. Go onto YouTube, do the clip, because why? It's going to make you happy. And that's what you have to look forward to for our next episode. It's called Come On, Get Happy. Tools and skills for you as if you could get even happier. Yeah? Guess what? You're going to get happier. We are going to together start a happiness practice that will get you ready to go for this big goal you have. So just hold your breath. You can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see you on the other side. But remember, no happiness chapter before you complete your prep sheet, okay? Complete that prep sheet, start the happiness chapter. I'll see you there. Have a wonderful, wonderful time between episodes. Mwah.